Hey there. Thanks for checking out this episode of H&M Live. Your support is always greatly appreciated as I'm always striving to provide content that enlightens, entertains, and educates. Look, I've just enabled supporter functionality on the podcast, so click the link in the show description and any support that you provide will be greatly appreciated. Be well. Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Good afternoon. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Perspectives in Focus. This is James Hicks, and uh, I thank you for your time. I thank you for joining us. Tonight is part two of a discussion that we had, I believe it was last month, with uh, the Vascular Institute. Right? We had uh, Jennifer Valcazar online, and we talked in depth about your health. We talked in depth about peripheral artery disease. 
we answered your questions, which is fantastic and, 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 a, and a great experience. But tonight we are blessed and we are fortunate to have uh, with myself and with Jennifer, we are blessed to have Dr. Adele Itali with us. Dr. Itali is a doctor of podiatric medicine specializing in foot, ankle, and leg conditions, as well as reconstructive surgery, limb salvage, and wound care. He is definitely the subject matter expert on this, on this, on this topic, folks. So uh, his doctoral degree from Western University and exercise science degree from UC Davis has earned him high honors. The fact that he went to UC Davis, we were already talking behind the scenes. I like the guy already. So if you got to see him, he's a good, he's a good dude. Uh, Dr. Atali's level of expertise, along with his genuine and compassionate bedside manner, is with us this evening and is going to be able to share a lot of information about peripheral artery disease, as we talked about before, and then some other topics as well. So please have your questions ready. Feel free to ask them. Don't be shy because here is the man of the hour right now. Dr. Atali, how are you, sir? Very well. Good evening. It's good to be with you, James. Thank you, Thank you sir. Thank you, sir. And Jennifer, how are you? Let me get you framed right. Oh, my goodness. You, you moved from, from earlier <laughs> on, and I, I got I to get you back in, in business here. How are Thank you, Jen? Thank you. I am fantastic. Good, good. I am fantastic. So let, let's go ahead and get get started, get, get into it, because we got... Uh, <clears throat> hold on. You keep, you keep moving, young lady. There we go. I'm right here. <laughs> Uh, there we go. Doctor, give us, so I, I talked a little bit, right, and gave you the, the high level there, but I, I would love to hear directly from your perspective, your elevator pitch, as I call it in my industry, right, in the technology industry, but how are folks to uh, recognize you and, and talk to us about your field, your study, how long you've been studying, and, and, and the types of things that you focus on as well. It's going to be best to hear it directly from you as opposed to from from, from me. Certainly. Um, as you mentioned, my degree is in podiatric medicine. I have a doctoral in podiatric medicine. Um, I have focused study in the foot and ankle. Um, you know, I spent four years in undergrad, four, two, three years in grad school, four years in medical school, and then three years in residency. It uh, gives you an idea of, of the amount of time, you know, uh, uh, it requires to, to, to be in this field. Um, I specialize in all sorts of foot and ankle conditions, as you alluded to earlier, from trauma to reconstruction to uh, wound care to vascular issues. I was lucky enough to get added vascular experience uh, as part of the Vascular Institute where, you know, working hand in hand with uh, uh, internal, excuse me, IR, uh, interventional radiology uh, uh, physicians in, in treatment of uh, peripheral arterial disease and peripheral uh, venous disease as well. So what does, what, what does that mean, right? I mean, I mean again, I guess for, for everyone who, who's listening, when they have an ailment, specifically, again, from, from a limbs perspective, and again, we, we had the conversation about PAD, peripheral artery disease, before. How does someone go about, are you, are you more from a specialist perspective or are you someone that, that works at UC Davis, someone that works at Kaiser? You know, how, how does, again, someone come and, and engage and interact with you? What, what, what does it take for someone to have to, to be in your office? I guess let me, let me go to that. Excellent question. So um, I am what you would consider a specialist. So usually the, uh, the, the, the algorithm of getting to see me would be 
generally speaking, you'd see your, if someone has an issue, they'll go to their primary care physician um, and present with a certain ailment. Um, the primary care physician um, will usually refer them to somebody like me if they've got uh, a specialized issue with a lower extremity um, that, that, that requires more expertise than the primary care physician can provide. Okay. Okay. Jennifer, oh, definitely feel free to, to, to chime in because look, he, he may be the expert. I got him in the middle, but you, you are definitely, quite frankly, the, the right-hand person right here. And, and I, I'm just here <laughs> to, to just to instigate and, and, and funnel through the, the comments and things of that nature. But um, I, I do have a question about you, and we were talking about this before we went live, and you're not going to make me say the word, so I, I won't embarrass myself like I did last time because it was way too many syllables. But let's address this. I'm going to try it. Hypercholesterolemia. Close? Very well done. Excellent. What is it, and how does it relate to PAD, peripheral artery disease? Okay. So hypercholesterolemia is essentially just a, a higher level of cholesterol um, within your within your bloodstream. Mm-hmm. Now, cholesterol is not necessarily a bad thing. Cholesterol is naturally made in the liver, and it uh, um, you know courses through your your, your bloodstream. Um, we get in trouble when we consume too many uh, foods that have high level cholesterol in them uh, uh, because then that increases the amount of cholesterol within your bloodstream a significant amount. And the problem with with that as it relates to peripheral arterial disease is the cholesterol aggregate aggregates rather or it collects in um, the inner lining of, of the arteries. That's a problem because it can get to a point where it occludes blood flow or it limits blood flow as that, that, um, that cholesterol hardens and uh, it starts to create a larger and larger um, blockage to the point where you know, your arteries can be 50% blocked, 75% blocked, 90% blocked. Um, and of course, as you decrease the amount of blood flow to your lower extremities, you are going to have some significant repercussions ranging from as mild as something that we call claudication, which is pain in the muscular portions of the leg, to the more severe cases where you end up with gangrene and you end up having to undergo amputations to remove the, uh, the gangrenous or dead tissue in, in your feet slash toes. And obviously that, that's, that's worst case scenario, right? So Of course. Before getting to that stage, uh, obviously, folks, look, we, folks, you all know if something's wrong, something doesn't feel right, you know it, right? We all know our bodies, so pay attention to that. But I, I guess best practices uh, or recommendations for making sure that we don't get to that, and, and, and I'm almost kind of leading the question because I, I kind of know an answer that I want to hear, right? It's movement, exercise, I mean, those kinds of things, proper nutrition and things like that. But I would much rather hear it from, from, from the guy in the middle kind of thing. And again, just making sure that we don't get to those points to where we have those types of those issues. Cause from a cholesterol perspective, I know high cholesterol runs the, in my family. So it's, it's genetic. My, my number is, if I told you my number, you'd fall out your chair. Uh, but, <laughs> but I am on a statin and, and, and I, I eat pretty clean, but it, it, it is one of those things. Um, <clears throat> But again, uh, 
preventative measures? What 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 do you have in, in sure. terms of recommendations for that? Sure. So um, let's talk about the risk factors for peripheral arterial disease before we begin talking about preventative measures. So um, age, the, the, you know, age 50 or higher, your risk automatically increases for peripheral arterial disease. Smoking increases your risk significantly of peripheral arterial disease. Diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, all those increase your risk factor your cardiac risk factors or your risk for getting peripheral arterial disease. So having those under control all goes a long way to reducing your risk of peripheral arterial disease. Um, as far as things we can prevent, as you mentioned too, exercise is, is an excellent way to minimize not only the risk of peripheral arterial disease, but a whole uh, a bunch of medical conditions that could be problematic in, 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 in the long run. So exercise, uh, if, you, if you smoke, you definitely have to quit smoking because that is the number one variable that affects peripheral arterial disease. Um, and then, of course, good diet, maintaining good blood sugar levels and um, preventative measures such as seeing your uh, health professional as soon as possible because these issues of arterial disease can be managed with 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 less drastic measures if they're caught on if they're caught early on versus when the artery has completely occluded and now a more significant surgical intervention is required interesting interesting um, so James yeah. you know uh, in in part the part one, we did discuss, you know, the importance of preventative measures of getting a screening. And so that, that you know, the first portion was actually huge about that in, in discussing how each measure was performed. You know, we talked about the ankle brachial mm-hmm. um, testing and then, of course, going to the Doppler and then the uh, ultrasound imaging. So those three components, you know, actually help to dissolve any issues. And if there are, then that's when Vascular Institute's doctors step in and uh, advise what type of procedures can be conducted. Excellent. Appreciate that uh, insight as well. I guess let let me ask you as well, Jennifer, because that just begs a question that I have as well. The network of doctors that you have, uh, you know, in in my research and, and just preparing for this session and our previous session, I noticed Vascular Institute is is nationwide, right? You're yes, yes. Actually, uh, we're we're planning to go nationwide. We actually have a couple of clinics in Texas. Okay. We have some in Arizona, and then of course Sacramento. But but the goal is to definitely be nationwide. Okay. And uh, yeah. Well, I, I say that for folks. You know, there's no excuse. Folks, folks listening and watching, right? It, it doesn't matter if, if you're living in, in Dallas right now or, or if you're in, in Richmond, Virginia or Sacramento. There's, there's no excuse for finding this type of uh, care and, and things of that nature. Let me ask another question. So diabetes, right, and kind of a, a connection with, with diabetes. And, and uh, you gave me another long word here, Jennifer, uh, diabetic neuropathy. And, and peripheral artery. I, I am just expanding my vocabulary right now. It is, I, this, I'm being selfish. This is all about me right now. I, I, I am dramatically expanding my vocabulary. Um, 
explain the connection, I guess, you know, like I say, of, of diabetes, diabetic neuropathy, and, and peripheral artery disease, please, sir. All right. So diabetes is referred to as, as the silent killer for, for many unfortunate mm. reasons. Um, so it, at its most simplistic terms, diabetes is basically the increase of, of concentration of, of sugar in your bloodstream that can lead to a significant amount of uh, ailments. It could be because of lack of function of, of, of your cells within the pancreas, the, the cells that regulate insulin formation. So uh, bottom line is there's an excess amount of sugar in your bloodstream that isn't well controlled. So diabetes um, essentially causes inflammation of endothelial and smooth muscle cells. And Basically, those are the cells that make up arteries uh, and other connective tissue within your body. So when there's an inflammatory process, the homeostasis or regulation within your body is thrown haywire. How does this affect you know, what we're talking about? Well, one, it leads to something called diabetic angiopathy, which is the actual disease, uh, the inflammation of the uh, uh, blood vessels that have uh, your, your circulation go through. Those are the arteries. Um, a little aside, diabetic uh, neuropathy is uh, the uh, effect of increased blood sugar on the nerves. So the way in which neuropathy and angiopathy tie in for our uh, patient population is you'll have these individuals with neuropathy. They can't feel anything wrong with their lower extremities. They may have clogged arteries and poor blood flow, but because their sensation is so off, they're unable to fully um, appreciate the pain and discomfort that they're in due to lack of sensation. Say that again. That that that's that's profound, right there. Say 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 that for me again. I I I need to okay. digest that. Okay. So uh, diabetes causes diabetic neuropathy, which is lack of sensation because of um, affected nerves. Um, Diabetic angiopathy is blood vessel disease. Okay. Okay? So the way in which neuropathy and angiopathy are related is, as far as peripheral arterial disease, is folks aren't able to fully feel their lower extremities and they can't tell pain because with neuropathy you lose the gift of pain so you can't appreciate certain things and one of the one of the hallmark signs of angiopathy or peripheral arterial disease certainly pain from lack of blood flow we call that ischemic pain and through diabetes you you don't have that feeling so progressive and so layman talking here right it just progressively gets worse you don't know it and then you get to some of these other stages that you were talking about the gangrene and maybe the need for unfortunate amputation interesting okay so so folks definitely watching and listening and uh after we're live doc uh, this session i'll I'll pull the audio down and turn it into a podcast there'll be another handful you know another segment of of folks that'll catch this content so hopefully they they heard it the second time because i really wanted to to hear that myself and also for for the listeners and the viewers um Jen, what, what do you got? Yeah, I, I got a, I got a couple of questions that you sent me, but you know, I, I don't, I don't want to be, I want to be cognizant of you as well because you are definitely the uh, physician liaison that 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 came in and set all this up. So I'm humbled to thank, thankful for that. You know, you're a pro. 
James. Well, I, I well, have complete you know, confidence in you. Might, you might want to Google me. You know, I, I, I do this. I do this once in a while. James, I, 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 I actually Googled you today. One of my friends was like wanting to hear all about your podcast, and I actually got her to subscribe. So she's really excited because she has learned about your In the News podcast. Okay, okay. And I think that's really fantastic. And so, okay, so how about how about we pull up that picture, uh, the one that has the uh, the before and after. <clears throat> the one that is. Yeah, so it has like the, the look shows the arteries. And then, and then you can ask that question. Is that this one? Yes, sir. Make sure I got it lined up there, right? Oh my goodness, that's uh, when I when I saw that, I was like, man. See, folks, you don't want to get to this point here. So, okay, talk to us a little bit. So, in in conjunction to what Doctor Itali was saying about neuropathy and connection with peripheral arterial disease, is that. This, this photo here definitely shows, you know, a foot that has, you know, some tremendous issues. Maybe it was because of neuropathy. They couldn't feel that pain that Dr. Itelli has indicated. Um, but, but for example, when, when someone does have a foot wound and that it hasn't healed, how can Vascular Institute help? Mm. So, Dr. Itelli, talk to them about that. Okay. So um, the, the unique thing about our, our, our centers is the interdisciplinary approach to managing these vascular uh, issues. And what you see there, that's, that's a vascular wound. That's what we call a, a, an ischemic wound. So from peripheral arterial disease, from poor blood flow. Okay. So the nice thing about having a, 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 an interdisciplinary approach to this is, um, one, you come in to see somebody, they need to determine what is going on? Why is this wound here? So there are th- three reasons mainly why a wound doesn't heal. One, infection. Two, pressure. Or three, poor blood flow. So our job is to determine what is the cause of the chronicity or the reason why this uh, wound has been there, has not healed. Any wound should be well into healing after a few weeks, usually within within a month, a wound. There's no reason a wound shouldn't be healed if all things are being taken care of. Right. So, what's most important is getting an appropriate history from the patient, determining what factors may be contributing to the lack of healing of a wound. Two, determining for ourselves why it is uh, not healing. Three, being able to have diagnostic tests and screenings to determine what the blood flow is to this lower extremity. And then four, being able to manage this if this is indeed an arterial wound, you know, treating it with an angioplasty, angiogram, mm. however uh, it is that we do uh, uh, manage these wounds, these 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 issues of, of poor blood flow. And that's what the, the, the x-rays are showing there in terms of the, the, the blood flow, because obviously I can see the one here at the bottom that I'm hovering over right now. So- so um, the, the the bottom four pictures are uh, that that's essentially a, a picture of an angiogram. What an angiogram is is um, a picture of an artery. Now arteries do not show up on on X rays; they're not easy to, to to show on imaging. So what you see there is 
contrast dye uh, moving through the arteries. Okay. And it shows you when you see dark, a uh, uh, dark color, that means there's blood flow. When it's light, that means that there's no blood flow. So um, this arterial tree is, think of it like an upside down tree with branches going down. So flow should be consistent regardless of how small the arteries get. The lower you get into the leg, the smaller caliber arteries there are. So what you'll notice is um, there are areas where it's dark and then it goes completely clear and you can't see any more blood flow. That's an area of what we call occlusion or blockage. Now, our, our colleagues are able to... Um, get in through the groin with their tiny instrumentation, image this right here, and they're able to go after the blockage and puncture through it and remove it. Once that's removed, you know, another uh, uh, um, angiogram is done immediately to look and see if blood is flowing consistently through that previously blocked set. If it is so, then perfect. Uh, job is done. If not, then that's where a stent comes in. Stent is put in a place where that blockage persists, mm. and that allows for more blood flow to consistently flow through that previously uh, occluded portion. Okay. okay. Now, let, let me ask this again, and, and I'm specifically asking in third person layman, because again, I, I really am, and, and, I, and I, I have a feeling that folks that are watching and listening have these questions, but again, are either hesitant to ask or whatever the case may be. Now, now, Jennifer, we were talking last session about the procedure and it being essentially a one day you're in for a couple of hours, you're evaluated afterwards, and then you're done. Is this the same procedure that you were just referring to, doctor, in terms of, again, you come in, you're on the table for two, three hours, whatever the case may be, you're evaluated again, and then at the end of the day, you can still go home, or is there is there a longer stint? No, then you're absolutely right. So I, I always ask patients to donate four hours to the cause, okay. four hours of their day. I have them. So I tell them the procedure will take anywhere between 45 minutes to two hours. And that depends solely on the complexity of the disease that we encounter while, while we're in there. Okay. So uh, I want, we want them there usually about an hour before the procedure, and we want them to stay with us for about an hour after the procedure just to make sure things are things are, are, are going well. Um, so four hours and they're able to go home that same day. Um, patients ask me frequently, hey, hey, what's the downtime for something like this? I say, there Good really question. is no downtime. I tell them, as long as you're not out uh, running a marathon, doing jumping jacks immediately after the procedure, you should be okay. And tell me, well, I wasn't able to do these before anyways. So <laughs> then there's no issues. <laughs> you know, you're not the bionic man and we're making you that time that many times better, but we're just, we're right. correcting some issues. So, so that's a good point. Right. Again, I don't like to assume. So I wanted to, to actually have that, that conversation as well. So it's the, um, Jennifer, let me throw it over to you again. I've, I've got a, a question I do want to ask the doctor, but I wanted to, to maintain the flow and uh, uh, and make sure that we're staying on point with the topics that, that you wanted to cover as, as well. So, yeah. So you know, when when in the in the first session, you know what you just said, James, um, really really holds true about uh, you know surgery versus uh, outpatient clinic, and that's the amazing thing about Vascular Institute is. We are outpatient, 
And it's such a tremendous value, not only for the patient, but for their primary doctor, you know, for their family, even for us, because we are there's satisfaction in knowing that this patient is going to walk out and feel a huge relief uh, upon discharge. And we, we talked about in the first segment that surgery is just, it's just, it's, it's really sad and, and horrible because of the fact of the cost that goes into it and also the recovery time, mm-hmm. rehabilitation, and the fact that there's actually a scar. So, you know, I, I, I can't emphasize enough about Basker Institute and just the way that uh, the interventional radiologists are uh, specializing in this type of, of advanced technology. And Dr. Itali will, you know, definitely, you know, um, his, his expertise is so wonderful in, in the patient's truly adore his, like I said, truly adore his bedside manner because there are doctors, you know, and, and I, I'm going to be, you know me, James. She's you know me, I'm really fun. She's going to be honest. I think it's safer. <laughs> I am going to say it. You know, there are doctors that are just really kind of tough, you know, and, and maybe it comes with years of, of having, um, seeing so many things. Mm. But I'll tell you, Dr. Itali is natural and in in his philosophy and also in his demeanor and patients love that about him and i i that's also with our other doctors you know and so the the kind of the the team that we have created at Oscar Institute is probably one that i i'm very proud to say that i'm part of because i know what what lies behind the doors you know what 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 actually is taking place and uh, I just wanted to say that. That's uh, all. There we go. I, you know, that was actually a softball. I, I threw it. I, I knew you were going to go that way, so I, I kind of threw that, threw that in your direction. But <laughs> <laughs> thank you, <laughs> Doctor. Let me let me ask you a question about, um, I, I guess, demographic, right? Of the types of folks that you see that, that need your specialty. I mean, is is it more younger folks? Is it older folks who who have just gone many years that have gone through periods of time? not addressing something or, uh, and you see a specific uh, segment of society, right? Um, Latino, black, uh, you know, what, what are the, I guess, again, like I say, the demographics of the, the, the folks that come in that, that need your assistance on a, on a regular basis? Sure. So um, I tell most patients that arterial disease is not, peripheral arterial disease is not usually a young person's mm. disease. Okay. Um, across the board, we see it with, with usually the slightly older, uh, uh population. And as far as, uh, um, demographics and, 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 you know, racial, uh, um, groups, that portion depends on diet. So the individuals that have, you know, usually a diet that's consisting of more, as we were talking about earlier, more fatty foods, more cholesterol, certainly that's going to be reflected upon uh, uh, their, their peripheral arterial disease and, and, and those specific subgroups. But for the most part, it's, it's you know, across, across uh, the boards for, for the not so young, so to speak. Excellent. However, that, 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 you know, that's not to say that it doesn't happen in younger individuals because we do, we have had some younger individuals with some genetic mutations that have led mm. to, uh, what we call coagulopathy or 
you know, uh, um, issues with clotting within their arteries due to their genetic mutations. And that, 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 that's, that's a real uh, uh, risk for those patients with those genetic mutations. So we, you know, it, it is not a young person's disease usually, but of course you never say never. Gotcha. Gotcha. In terms of what you're looking for, right. When, when someone comes in to, to your office or um, maybe referred or diet or, or, or sent in your direction, you know, visual signs, Right. That, that, that maybe, again, someone like, like me, again, lame and third person looking. What, what, what are kind of some of the visual signs that a podiatrist would notice kind of that would be an alert to PAD? OK, uh, great question. So uh, from a physical um, examination, we look at pulses. Can we feel the pedal pulses of these patients? If there are no pedal pulses, that there's there's no such thing as a normal foot that doesn't have pedal pulses. So there's got to be blood flow that is uh, tactile, that's felt. Okay. Next, we look at the overall appearance of the foot is there, and leg. Is there discoloration? Is there any presence of hair? Because usually if there's no hair on the foot or leg, that means there's not enough blood flow. We check the temperature of the foot itself. Is the foot cold? Is it warm? Of course, someone that has arterial disease, their foot is more likely going to be cold. That's not to say every cold foot has arterial disease. I want to make that distinction. But people with arterial disease can have cold feet. Next thing we check is something called the capillary refill test. We press on the toes push the blood out of the toe essentially, and then remove our finger and see how quickly that toe fills with blood again. Now, a normal toe, a normal capillary refill is about three to four seconds. Anything beyond five seconds, you know, leads you to thinking there is a problem with, uh, with the blood flow. Um, but more so than just the physical exam, the history gathering from the patient is very important, James, because there are mm. things with arterial disease that are not present on, on physical exam. For example, I always ask patients, do you have pain in the legs? I don't mean the knee. I don't mean the ankle. I mean specifically in your calf. When you lay down at night and raise your legs, do your legs wake you up at night because of pain? When you walk during wow. the day, can, can you walk four, five, six blocks without any pain in your legs? If there is pain in your legs, does the pain go away once, you're, once you stop and rest? So uh, gathering information from the patient is extremely important because it does help guide us toward, toward you know, a diagnosis of peripheral arterial disease. You take the history gathering with a physical exam, you marry that with the diagnostic studies, and then we've got, we've got a, a solid diagnosis. Makes sense, makes sense. Question here coming in. Uh, sir, is the blockage removal instrument a laser? So we do use a laser to um, help uh, in something called atherectomy, which is um, the, the actual removal of, um, of, of the plaque that's built in the wall. It is completely up to the surgeon's preference and whether they prefer to do it with uh, um, sharp instrumentation versus a laser. Mm. It's, it's all available. It can be done. Okay, okay. 
Thank you for the question. Thank you for the answer. Let me, let me, uh, I wasn't saying this question for last and it's probably not going to be the last, but you know, it it was just a a good summary. And I think of the dialogue that we've, we've had here, I think it's just a good one to ask the importance of having a podiatrist in your life, right? I mean, you, you're, you're, you're dropping gems here and, and, and you're, and you're, and you're telling folks really simple things to do to make sure that they maintain their health. All right. We, we've talked we've talked about nutrition. We've talked about movement. We've talked about noticing symptoms and, and, and addressing them. I may have answered the question myself, but, but, but I guess, you know, the, the importance of, of that medical team that everyone has, right? Everyone's got Medicare, uh, Medi-Cal, Kaiser, whomever, right? They, they've got the health insurance and we know who our primary care physician is, but I wonder if a podiatrist is someone who we need to make sure is part of that core team as well. Not not just someone that we we go to when it's all bad, right? Is is, is someone with? I know you're 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 more of a specialty, but again, I guess let me ask that question. You know, is a podiatrist someone that we should have again as part of that core team that we have, that core tool that we have in our toolbox for our for our health and wellness and things of that nature? Short answer is absolutely. And the long answer is, is here's why. Um, by the time you have complications and pain and discomfort, it may be a little late to be referred. You know, so having, you know, the, the, you know this, 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 this day and age, we focus a lot on preventative medicine, both for better outcomes uh, uh, for patients as well as, 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 well as doctors. Mm-hmm. So having a podiatrist as part of your team You've got a specialist that takes care of your feet and legs and only your feet and legs. You know, you, you reserve your migraine issues, your low back issues, everything else goes to your primary and, and other specialists. But um, you have someone that is dedicated to just your lower extremities. Uh, everybody that comes in through the door should, you know, I say this because I'm a specialist, but everyone that sees their primary care physician should be screened for any issues with with, with lower extremities, mm-hmm. whether it be arterial disease, neuropathy, wounds, what have you. You know, your primary care physicians are tasked with such an incredible role of managing all of your issues that sometimes the smaller things may not always get addressed as quickly as they should simply because of the mountain the mountain of, of symptoms that they're having to, yeah. to, to work through. So having a podiatrist, someone dedicated to your lower extremities, I feel is extremely important. Now, of course, that is my bias because I'm one of those people, but it's okay. <laughs> absolutely important. Yes. Awesome. Now, let me ask you again about that and um, the relationship that you and your practice has. Are, are you exclusive to the vascular institute or are you you're also working with other institutions and and uh and organizations as well how is that working i'm just kind of curious from the folks on the screen here right so um uh, our, our corporation has the vascular institute we have a podiatry clinic and then we work in the local major hospitals we cover we cover the hospitals for 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 uh foot and ankle Okay. issues so that's that that's how it works with, okay. with, our, okay. with our team here okay so 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 you branch out which is, which is good and again that, that was somewhat of a, of, a, of a lob because i want i wanted folks to, to make sure that if they weren't sorry jennifer if, you know if they weren't in those three locations that you already are and and they're they're closer to you dr telly right they, they could still work with 
maybe your team, right? If if if, sure. if you were closer, things of that nature. But again, uh, I guess the core of that whole roundabout thing was that don't overlook if you've got some issues. If you if you're feeling something, it might be it might be time to go and call and get that telehealth conversation going because you can't That's really right. go go anywhere right now. But you know, definitely don't don't overlook any of these types of symptoms that you may have. Doctor, did, did I leave anything out that you wanted to talk specifically about? I want to continue the conversation, but I want to make sure I'm not overlooking anything that you wanted to share with the audience. I know we're getting a couple of questions in, but um, again, folks may be hesitant to ask or, or just don't know what to ask. Let me, let me put it that way, right? One thing I wanted to mention, um, going back to talk about diabetes and, and, and loss of sensation, neuropathy mm-hmm. from it. Um, you know, if I, I would love your listeners to walk away from this with, with, with this bit of knowledge, always check your feet if you're diabetic and you've got neuropathy, because most patients, again, with neuropathy, don't feel pain. So if you cut yourself, if you experience a cut or an ulcer on the bottom of your foot and you're not checking your feet, you're not going to be able to tell that you've got something going on. Now, that and if you got arterial disease on top of that, that is a recipe for disaster. So please monitor your feet on a regular basis. I don't know. You know, it doesn't get much cl- uh, clearer than that for me, right? <laughs> Thank you for that, sir. Jennifer, in terms of uh, your your side of, of, the, uh, of the conversation, do you have anything that you'd like to add? Again, maybe specifically any more screening events that the Vascular Institute is providing or... or- yeah, so um, right now we we actually have um, some partnership news. Look, we're, we're, and, dr- uh, we're drink, breaking news right here on Perspectives and Focus, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Yes. I love it. Yes, we actually are. So what's really amazing is uh, our team, you know, consists of, you know, a team of ultrasound techs, our doctors, Dr. Itali, our office staff, and, you know, they, they get very busy, and yet we still want to support our community. So what we've done is we have aligned ourselves with a company called Lifeline Screening. And it is a company that does the um, uh, ABI, the Ankle Brachial Index uh, testing that we had talked about in segment one. But I'll go over that again for a, a quick minute. Is that that's the initial test that our ultrasound techs or our techs will perform, and basically it is where they'll put the uh, what's like a blood pressure cuff uh, on the arm, and then also wrapped around the ankle to test for blood pressure. And based on the criteria. Uh, if it's high or if it's low, the blood pressure, then they determine the next factor if they're going to go ahead and use a Doppler, which Dr. Atali, um, he conducts that, that, that um, part with using the Doppler. So going back to this uh, lifeline screening, what's really interesting is they only do the ABI. So for areas that are not close to those areas, like you say, nationwide, they actually can go to this screening to rule it out or see how high, you know, the the indicator is to say they need further testing, and they can come to Vascular Institute. 
So to me, that is very, very, uh, is going to be very, very uh, popular in our area, advantageous, because there are rural areas that we can't get to. Our ultrasound techs can't get to quickly. So we'll have those mobile systems intact so that when those uh, folks go out and do these testings, they can report back to us. So a lifeline screening will report to us of the findings. And then our doctors could then take shape and say, these are the things that are necessary, uh, you know, ultrasound or then uh, offering procedure. So I'm really excited about that because there are going to be quite a few events in the Sacramento area, in outlying areas of Sacramento, and also in our Arizona and our Texas area. And so that will make us more broad in the areas where we can't get to. So that's preventative measures because these folks that are going to be going to lifeline screening, they are proactive. They are actually paying for this testing to be okay. conducted. Okay. And it's wonderful. So, so, uh, and key with that is, uh, I want you to pull up that picture. It talks about diabetic care. Yeah. That, that one. Yeah. So, you see that there? Is that this one right okay. here? Okay. No, then the other one. It has black background. Yeah, the real cost. Okay. Go. Yeah. So, what Dr. Atali was talking about is, you know, having a podiatrist is so, so important. Reason being is look at the costs that are associated with um, diabetic foot foot health. And then, of course, we as Vascular Institute definitely uh, want to prevent these things from happening. However, if, if, it, if it's too critical at that time, then, you know, we do, we do step in. The, the doctors then will perform the, inter, the interventional radiology procedures. Uh, however, with that said, is we reduce the costs not only for the patient but for, for our society. Because look, with the cost of diabetes in the United States is $245 billion. That's nationwide. Um, and then you look on the left to the investment of care, the difference between having a, a podiatrist or having, having a doctor in your pocket that is supporting you when you have diabetes uh, and when you have this neuropathy and when you have, you know, the, all, all these, these particular conditions related to diabetes that can definitely um, be managed. And then we, we, we are on, on, on the back end where when those things are fail, mm -hmm. then Vascular Institute takes shape. When, what I had mentioned in the first segment as well is the uh, Vascular Institute is a limb salvage program. We want to save those legs. Mm -hmm. We want to reduce amputation. And by that said, with, with the amount of money that it costs to amputate, and then also with the fact that a patient is depressed or saddened by the fact that they've actually lost a limb, we want to reduce that. We want to say, hey, come in and vascular institute. You know, we will, we will get it fixed for you. Just like Dr. Atale said, they go out and outpatient in a couple hours, four hours. 
and they're walking again. And it's, it's miraculous. I, I've seen the procedures done. I think it's just absolutely a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, procedure that's benefiting a lot of folks, 50 plus. Dr. Atali said smokers, diabetics, you know, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, things like that. So we want to outsmart diabetes. We want to outsmart all the conditions related to PAD. Mm. And we want to also outsmart it in regards to uh, venous insufficiency. That's, you know, that's an, another side note. We talked a little bit about mm-hmm. that in the first segment. Yeah. But peripheral artery disease is is just something that a lot of people do not know about. And Dr. Atali says, yes, then when it's too late, uh, it does. It gets critical. And we, we you know, we want... We want folks to come in. We want, you know, go see your podiatrist, you know, contact Dr. Itali, you know, for deeper questions or consultation. Because it, it's, it's, um, if you're strategic about it, just like we are in everything we do in life, you know, we try to be strategic in the different things we do with work and life. And uh, if we can do that, then we um, are kind of, kind of being proactive, but more, more importantly, we're, we're, we're surviving. Those folks will survive later in life and be able to enjoy that life with their families and friends. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. I love that. It's all, it's all, it's all goodness, right? I mean, again, just, just preventative care. Um, I said I was going to be the last question, but now I see here I go. I'm coming out of left field. This is just what, <laughs> I, this is what I do. So, doctor. Yeah. The, the, crux of the conversation has been around PAD, but you know, what, what do you, what comes in your office on, on a, on a, on a, you know, percentage basis, right? Is is it focusing on, on these types of things that we're talking about right now? But again, is it maybe um, folks that have tripped and broke their ankle while trying to run a marathon when they probably shouldn't be running? What, what's the, you know, the, the patient load, I, I guess, what, what, what are you seeing a lot of, uh, and, 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 to piggyback on that, has it changed within this year during the pandemic, right? Since uh, folks really can't go out and do a whole lot of other things, so maybe they're trying to take sure. up mountain biking and, and running or whatever the case may be. What, what does that look like for, for you sure. on a day-to-day basis? So I'm lucky enough to where I get to see, at least initially prior to the pandemic, um, the whole gamut, sports medicine, overuse injuries, trauma, wounds, um, Mm. infections, arterial disease. So essentially we're like primary care physicians for the lower extremity. That that's what you can think of a foot and ankle specialist as, um, you know, we treat anything from bunions to ankle fractures to, 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 you know, everything in between. Okay. So the, 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 the way in which the pandemic has changed things for us is, Unfortunately, it's made um, the, the real victims are the diabetic folks mm. uh, because being unable to seek out treatment or get treatment in a timely manner, it has led to an increase in my caseload of infections, wounds, and unfortunately amputations because as we were saying earlier, preventative care really does prevent catastrophic outcomes. And if you're unable to get that preventative care or even that maintenance type of care, then whatever small issue was there in the beginning after three, four months of 
um, lack of proper care, it's certainly going to be worse. And 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 that that that's the biggest effect we saw with with the pandemic. Gotcha. Um, unfortunately, yeah, that's uh, so I wasn't expecting that, and so you kind of you kind of threw it, and so that's the, the reality of it, though, right? Again, and and I think we all needed to hear that, right? And in, in terms of you know that that's kind of like like my pastor would say, make it plain. That's that that's the plain unfortunate negative of, of how the world has shifted, and and unfortunately, your caseload is growing because of those types of situations. Um, sir, thank you for your time. That's true. Thank you for your for the for the information. Definitely valuable. Uh, Jennifer brought you on. She said you was a superstar. And next thing you know, you know, I, 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 and he comes in with 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 the hat on and everything, dropping knowledge, and and, and I love that. Jennifer, where because because folks are going to go to you as opposed to I, I th- for the, for the most part going to to the doctor because he, he's he's got his processes and frameworks in, in terms of bringing on case loads and things like that. Tell folks again, but I will put it in the show notes, how to reach out to the Vascular Institute for more information. It's quite simple. The, the, first, the first opportunity is to go to myvascular.com. That's www.myvascular.com. They can actually take a quiz online. Oh, wow. And uh, they can, they can uh, you know, ask a couple questions and, and it leads them to the next question is, uh, would you like to have a consult? So they can put their name and phone number, email, and then we connect with them. They can actually connect online as well. There, there is a button to push to actually call directly. And that phone number in Sacramento is 916-680-9510. Uh, online, there is actually an 800 toll-free number. And that's that's there. And like I said, you can click on it. I want to point out one thing uh, in addition to what Dr. Atali said about uh, the pandemic. We have telehealth. And what's extraordinary about that is if a person cannot come into our office right offhand, we can offer telehealth. The doctors will examine over the, um, like what we're doing right now, over camera or maybe over the phone. But based on the criteria that that patient offers is then we'll say, we're going to get you in. And that's really important to stress because at least they'll feel like someone's on their side and they'll be willing to come in. And and because we're outpatient, we're not like, you know, uh, an office where, you know, there's tons of folks in there, you know, it's more one-on-one. So it's very, very uh, simple for a patient to come in and be one-on-one with the doctor. So I just wanted to pinpoint on that because uh, we definitely would would, um, recommend if they can't come in right off the bat is to schedule a telehealth appointment. Take advantage of the technology that they have and and, and get that care. That, that's that's yeah, a perfect a phone call. yeah that, that's a that's a perfect segue right there so folks again uh, do what you need to do take care of yourself you, you've got resident experts here who have come and shared some some knowledge with us uh, take heed if something doesn't feel right something's not right uh, don't be afraid to make that call and have that conversation Jennifer thank you very much again for your time 
Dr. Atali. Thank you. Me and you need to hang out. You're you're a pretty good guy. You're you're cool. <laughs> Thank you guys Thank again you. For, for for your time, Thank you, and, and I look forward to having more conversations down the road. You guys be well. Thank you very much. Thank you.